0: I'm glad to have you all here this morning. My name is Casey Cease. I am the lead pastor here at Christ Community Church. Boys and girls, I'm really glad that you are joining with us this morning. Um, I'm going to be teaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that's in the New Testament. And wait for it, it's after 1 Corinthians. All right, there you go, just for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in the New Testament. Um, as I was reflecting and thinking about words to say coming into this Sunday, I, I began to realize that it's okay if I don't have the right words to say. As I went into one of the homes of a man who had about seven or eight feet of flooding in it, and I walked up to him. He was a disabled veteran that a friend of ours at church got connected with and asked us to go help. I showed up on the scene with some Chick-fil-A donated by our friends over on 242 and uh, walked in and this large, larger stout dude built and study came out and he was just broken. And I remember looking at him and I said, I'm so sorry that's all I could say and the beautiful thing is I think that's all that needs to be said sometimes I think at times words fail us of what to say or we want to try to fix it or we want to try to say things that make it all better but when a person's life has been flipped upside down sometimes we can just simply say to them I'm so sorry and we're here for you and you're loved. And so this morning, I want to talk from, the, the, the second, uh, from Second Corinthians, from the Scriptures, about how God uses suffering in ways that we may not expect, how God uses our suffering as an opportunity for us to realign ourselves around the comforting that we have in our God, that God provides comfort for us through his son Jesus in, in very real and meaningful and consequential ways. As we were singing this last song, Who Can I Trust But You, that song had a way different meaning this week than it did just a couple weeks ago when we sang it. Because for many people that we know, many people that we've seen, everything else that that we normally place our hope in has been taken away, and there's nothing left. I've talked to some of my friends who had not experienced any damage to their home, had not experienced any flooding. My family didn't experience any flooding. Our power flickered one time. It led to a disruption in our internet service for about six minutes. That was the extent of our suffering through Hurricane Harvey. And for those of you that have not experienced much hardship because of it, there may be a temptation to feel guilt, but I want to encourage you a different way. Guilt is not productive. Either we come with gratitude to the Father for his protection, and then in view of that protection, live our lives as a thank you by serving others. Or in our despair, in our brokenness, we can cry out to God and God will answer. I was talking to someone recently and I said, even for the atheist who may not believe in God because they have not seen God. They say they have not seen God. The way that God has been sending people from all over this country and even parts of this world to step into this mess is a sign that people have been created in the image of our maker who is mindful of us and cares for us. I have a very simple point this morning. I will not preach very long. Well, I might. You know me. I literally have two pages of notes and the last page is just very quick. But the main point that we take away from this morning is this. God comforts us so that we can provide comfort to others. God comforts us so that we can provide comfort to others. Now, I'm not speaking about comfortable things like a nice car or a nice home. Many of us have both of those things. But there's a deeper comfort that I believe we're missing in our community and in our nation and really in our world and people need to be comforted in their loneliness and in their isolation and i believe this opportunity gives us a reminder of how god entered into us when we were not lovable and when we could not give him anything in return through his son jesus and so go with me to second corinthians chapter 2 beginning second uh, corinthians chapter 1 beginning in verse 3 it begins with a normal greeting that has then been modified for the sake of a gospel church as opposed to a Hebrew temple or Jewish temple. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and comfort of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, So through Christ we share abundantly in comfort, too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must look at the ultimate affliction that took place on Jesus, on the cross, So the first thing we can see in this passage is that Jesus has taken on our ultimate affliction. He has endured the ultimate suffering by becoming a penalty and a payment for sin. Jesus, for followers of Christ, has become our comfort even when we face a life of suffering because the ultimate suffering that is ultimately deserved has been paid for, has been covered, has been redeemed so that in Christ we can then find comfort. Now, we have to understand this comfort goes beyond merely a feeling. There are times where God is bringing comfort, yet we are feeling unsettled or when things are falling apart around us. So we must understand this comfort that is brought to us at times may be a very tangible, felt comfort like a bottle of water a random crew showing up with tools to demolish, take down sheetrock. That comfort might come in the form of a food or smile or clothing or childcare. That comfort might come in many different ways. But the meaning and purpose of that comfort goes beyond just feeling comfortable for a temporal moment. The meaning of that comfort ultimately comes for the fact that we all need eternal comfort and rescue from the suffering that we deserve because of our sin. Because of our sin, we deserve suffering and death, but because of God's gift through His Son Jesus, we've been given forgiveness and adoption as sons and daughters. And through that comfort, we are then able to sit secure, knowing that even if the water is rising or our life does end, that we have an eternal promise that goes beyond this life. It then brings a freedom and a hope that we can then live fully into this life, hoping in the faithfulness of our God, finding comfort in his promises, knowing that he sustains us, that he carries us, and that we can then follow him to provide comfort to others. Listen, friends, if you're going to help on work crews just to be a good person, you're missing, you're missing the point. Especially as followers of Christ, we don't do that just because we're supposed to or because we're Texan. We do it because God rescued into the floods of our lives. He entered in the floods of our lives and brought ultimate rescue through his own son. That's the why behind it. That Jesus suffered when he deserved no suffering, so that through him we would not have to endure eternal, lasting suffering. Jesus bore our afflictions, our suffering, our ultimate penalty, so that we can then live out of the fact that we have been liberated and freed and forgiven. That's good news. Amen. Yeah, Yeah, amen. It's good news. Let's not forget the ultimate gift. Suffering and crisis and hard things remind us that we cannot fully only rely on ourselves or our created possessions or people that we love and care for, but that we are forced at times to trust alone in the God who understands suffering but also understands rescue and redemption. It takes a perspective to shift us in our suffering because ultimately as Jesus became sin, which took on the form of death on the cross, was dead and buried, he was risen from the dead, defeating sin, death, and Satan, so that trusting in Jesus we might be forgiven and adopted and acceptable to God. And as we're accepted by God for God, we can rest in the comfort of knowing that God is mindful of us and God is for us. One thing I think we get confused, especially, I know I do, but in American Christianity, we believe that comfort equates, bless or is equal to blessing. But we, we simplify that comfort to stuff and security and health and wealth and things like that. And I think we miss the deeper levels of God's presence and blessing when we hope that those are the end results of it. You hear us here talk a lot about God's sovereignty, meaning that because God is God and he has done what he has promised to do and will continue to do so, that means God is in control. And because God is in control, we can trust fully in him. Whether he permits things or causes things to happen, nothing occurs outside of his ultimate will. And we can see that even though bad things come our way as followers of Christ, that we have the ultimate comfort of the one who has endured all sufferings. His name is Jesus. And through his suffering and through his death and through his resurrection, we are comforted. Which leads to the second point, which is very obvious, I'm sure, but that this life is not free from suffering. Jesus teaches his disciples, and Paul teaches in the New Testament that we will suffer as followers of Christ. We will suffer for the name of Jesus. We will suffer because our bodies will fail us one day, and that our bodies aren't going to last, at least in these bodies, forever. This life is not free from suffering, and I I believe that many of us in our area, myself included, oftentimes begin to buy into the fact that we are using our money and our skills and our learning to produce comfort and to produce security. And when that is ripped away by the rising of a tide, washing through your home, that becomes very disorienting. And even if it's not happening to you, as you observe it happening, you begin to realize that there are no guarantees in this life, and that comfort is not for sure. But the good news is that there is a comfort that does last, and his name is Jesus. He knows suffering. He has suffered all suffering. He has endured the wrath of God for all sin on the cross. He has suffered a death and a brutal beating for you and I. He was raised from the dead so that we have hope. We will suffer. There will be suffering. Suffering for many people is subjective. I was talking to my friend, Dr. John Vanderkay, who's a member here at the church, and Dr. John and I were talking as I was asking him for guidance on how to help pastors in the Houston area. I'm in charge of pastoral support for the Houston Church Planning Network in Acts 29 Houston, and I've been having a lot of conversations and working on a lot of issues coming up there. And Understanding the needs that these pastors are enduring. I know a pastor nearby whose house was flooded and lost both of his cars. And he's on Facebook out at other houses demolitioning, doing demolition and comforting and preparing and caring for his people. It's not if suffering comes, it's how we face it and what we learn from it. We will suffer, we face suffering. But as we go and as we provide comfort to other people, we do so with a great hope and a great promise. We go with someone who is faithful to keep his promises. And as I was talking to Dr. Vanderke, uh, John was talking about, hey, we've got to be careful to understand that we are not God. And God is not calling us to be God. And God doesn't even need us to completely answer totally for God. We're sent by God for the purposes of God, But that's the good news, friends, is we aren't God. We may not have all the answers as to why. And and one thing I would encourage us, church, as we are walking in view of hard things and as we observe suffering, as some of us are suffering, as we inevitably will suffer in this life, we have to begin asking better questions. Moving from the questions of why is this happening and begin asking the question, God, what are you up to? God, what are you doing How are you moving? What are you stripping away that your gospel might bear light and be truth in someone's life today? What are you up to? Which leads to the third thing, and this is good news, friends. Because of the gospel, our suffering is not wasted, not one bit of it. Everything that we go through is used for God's good in our lives even if we cannot see it even if we cannot feel it God has promised and ensured that because the grave is empty that our suffering is not in vain in Romans chapter 8 verse 28 the apostle Paul writes and we know that for those who love God and uh, that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose so for those who love God for those who know God through Christ Even the bad things, the good things, the easy things, the hard things, the happy things, the sad things, they're all used ultimately for good for those who trust in Christ. It's not wasted on us. It's not wasted for us. So we can ask more faithful questions instead of why. We can ask God, what are you up to? And there are moments where it will be like Abraham where he tells us to go to a land that I will show to you. And basically he's revealing the next step at that moment of the next step. And so we may not always see, and I know for a lot of my friends here, you're very linear planners, you like to have it all planned out, reverse engineered and ready to go. And so following God can be disorienting for some of us because we need to know what's next and sometimes we just don't. But perhaps instead of God sending that as a punishment, and at times he might be liberating us, perhaps God is sending it as an invitation For us to know him more, to grow in intimacy with him, to understand his kingdom more than we are building our own. And as we come and understand that even though we cannot make sense today of the bad things that have been happening around us, we can enter into the suffering of others because Christ has entered into our suffering to provide us comfort. We can know that even if these seasons are hard, they are not wasted. God is not going to waste your suffering. God won't waste the suffering of others. God will bring us opportunity upon opportunity, as many of us have already seen, to enter into the hurt and suffering of others. And as we enter into their hurt and suffering, we are then able, by God's grace, to live the gospel and to speak the gospel of good news. God comforts us so that we can provide comfort for others. He comforts us. There are many times in my life where we've gone through things that I hadn't sensed God's comfort in the moment. But looking back, a random note or phone call or text or gift or support or a moment of laughter has provided some comfort to help me not give up. Maybe you're here today and you need to experience the comfort of God for the first time by placing your hope and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but that God through his son Jesus gave his only son as a payment, as a substitute in our place. And Jesus died on the cross as a substitute, as a payment for our sin. He was dead and he was buried. And by God's power, three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating Satan, so that if anyone hopes and trusts in Jesus alone, he or she will be forgiven and adopted in as sons and daughters. And boys and girls, that is true for you, and men and women, that is true for you as well. Apart from Christ, there is no comfort. In Christ, there's even comfort in our suffering. The way that you respond to that, if you realize, man, I don't have that comfort, is to say, Jesus, I need you and I need to know your comfort, he'll answer to your prayer. He will enter in and be your comfort. But the responsibility of receiving that comfort isn't to go earn and pay it back. The responsibility is responding with gratitude that because he's entered into our deepest need, we can now enter into hard places with other people. Whether their house is flooded or their marriage is falling apart or their addiction has overcome them once again, Because of God's grace, we can comfort those because we've been so comforted. We're gonna respond a little bit differently today by um, spending a few moments in prayer together. There's three main things I want us to pray about. You can either pray with your family or individually, you can pray out loud or quietly. But I wanna, first of all, there's three things. I'll tell you the three things and then I'll lead us through them. First, I wanna thank God for his protection and his comfort. The second thing is I wanna pray for those who are in need of comfort in our area and the surrounding area. And those who are offering that comfort, I wanna pray for them. And I also want us to ask God, God, show us how our family can comfort others, both today and ongoing. And so I'll lead us through that time. So let's go ahead and bow our our heads and close our eyes. And if you want to circle up your family or grab a few folks next to you or pray on your own, that's fine. But let's just take a moment and thank God for his protection and for his comfort. There's an estimated over tens of thousands of people who've lost their homes in the Houston, greater Houston area, down in Rockport, Corpus Christi area, up through the Golden Triangle, flooding in Louisiana. And so why don't we take some, a moment and pray for those who have been directly affected and are in need of comfort right now. Father, there are so many people hurting. So many people without their homes that have lost so many things. People who have lost their lives. And God, we ask that you would be near to those families. You would bring your comfort and show your comfort to them. Lord, we thank you for those first responders and those citizens who were going out to rescue. We thank you for the men and women and boys and girls that have gone to serve meals and water and make donations and work on tearing down homes that they might be rebuilt. We ask that you would comfort the brokenhearted and be near to them. And church, I want us now, just as your family gathers, or if you're by yourself, gather and ask God to show how you and your family can comfort others. And there may not be an answer right this moment, but ask God, God, show us ways. Help us be aware of those around us who need comforting. And Father, we pray that you give us courage to act and give us courage to speak of your grace. So go ahead and take a moment and pray about that. Father, your, your word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of, for Christ. God making his appeal through us We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. God, we thank you that you've made a way through Jesus for us to be reconciled to you, for us to be made whole, for us to find eternal comfort so that we might go and bring comfort to others. God, I pray that your creative qualities, Lord, may be experienced in our midst. Lord, that we would be innovative and creative in ways that we might be able to serve people and Help our community and live and speak the gospel in a way that is helpful. Father, we thank you that you have offered ultimate comfort to us through Christ. And I pray that that would be our hope, our treasure, and our focus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.